0: It's time. Relatable and accessible to everyone, even the person who like sneaks into church late, you know, and sits on the back pew. Just
1: trying to reinforce your faith or bring you into the faith.
2: Really, our, our main goal is just to help you guys out there. Anyone trying to learn and listen in you know, all these stories and just pick up uh, really helpful tidbits that so we can all apply to our lives.
1: This is the back pew box.
2: On to the next.
1: The one thing that Nate was talking about was apathy. And uh, we were just discussing an actual current event that happened. And, Nate, I, I don't know if you want to enlighten the audience. I mean, it's pretty sad. But. Yeah,
2: I I think um, we're all super guilty of apathy. So, in, like, reading this story, we've got two pretty, like, apathetic encounters where, you know, the first is complete. And utter apathy, like he literally looks at him and passes by talking about the priest in the first encounter, and then the second encounter referring to the Levite you know he at least probably has some compassion we can we can probably take that away and surmise that looking at the at the jew that's that's again naked and broken and and wounded uh, and left for dead. he's got some compassion, but again an apathetic response nonetheless because he decides to pass him by on the other side, uh, as it says in verse 32. And, you know, immediately I was struck with this in my own life. I think there's, there's lots of apathy to doing the right thing uh, because it's super inconvenient, right? So like I was uh, enthralled um, and kind of floored by a recent story that I heard and this happened a couple of years ago, perhaps some of our listeners even are familiar with the story, but in Columbus, Georgia, there was, there's a, there's a pretty big river. Uh, is it the Chattahoochee? Yeah. Ch- Chattahoochee river, downtown Columbus brings in a lot of whitewater rafters, brings in, you know, a lot of people, especially on the weekends in this instance, specifically, there was a young man can't remember his age. Um, but you know, probably eight or nine or along those along that age, basically falls into the river and there is a massive crowd uh, around this young man, like a lot of people, um, looking on and, uh, and with an apathetic response as well. And that response was this, this kid is calling out for help. Uh, his head is bobbing in the water and no one jumps in after this kid. Um, no one helps this, this young man uh, young kid as he's drowning quite literally. And there was responses, uh, but they were very, very late. You know, people jumped in very well after the fact and not, not right after. So struck by a couple of things there. One, just of like being men, uh, being women of action and like decisively and quickly, you know, taking that action and not having to necessarily think about it or, be inconvenienced by it, uh, but just taking quick action. And the second is just like, you know, asking myself, what kind of man am I, you know, would I jump in immediately to save this kid? Would I be like, ah, he'll probably be all right. You know, I don't want to get wet. He, he looks like he's, you know, could probably get to the side. You know, I, I wasn't there that day. So there's probably a lot that, that I'm, I don't know. Um, but I do know, For a fact, there was a ton of apathy. So I think in our own, a real world, like modern day application, you know, we have to ask ourselves, you know, who are we? Are we just quick to say, yep, we're definitely the good Samaritan. We would act quickly. Or even in lesser circumstances, would we want to be inconvenienced? You know, would we actually help this man? lying in a pool of his own blood and naked uh, or would we go about our day so as not to be convenienced but we live in in a day and age where we are just an apathetic people we see it all the time on the news in current events altercations that people are having fights that are breaking out no one wants to get involved no one wants to do anything no one wants to take action and here's this samaritan who is an enemy um, a sworn enemy if you will of of the jewish people sees a jew on the side that that needs desperately needs help and he not only takes action but he goes by far and away the extra mile in healing this man in in binding his wounds and taking care of him with oil and wine Uh, but also bringing him to a nice we'll call it a nice hotel in taking care of this man which kind of like goes into a story really of the gospel not only just taking action like we just talked about, but just a a beautiful picture of the gospel. What do you think, Matt?
0: I think you nailed it especially there at the end, talking about how the story of the the gospel itself, which goes right back to the the very first question is how you know the the loggers asking Jesus like what do I have to do to inherit eternal life i mean that that's kind of the theme like the answer that Jesus is giving through this parable is answering two questions really it's how do I inherit eternal life and Who is my neighbor? He answers both those in like one story, Hmm. which I think is really awesome. I think, I think that really starts around the verse that that John was talking about with this off off mic, which is kind of one of those unseen things until you really start to dive deep and go down the, the rabbit holes and stuff we're talking about with the, the, the oil and the wine and all the care that this random, you know, we'd say Samaritan, the enemy of the, this religious Jewish people comes onto the scene. So I think, I think you've got some really good talking points. I don't want to jump on what you already have. No, nah,
1: it's it's cool. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine, man. You stole it, my thunder. No, it's all good, no, I, I'm saying like, just share the wealth. Right. But, and, and you did bring up something that's pretty cool with the question. How do I, how do I inherit internal life? And again, back to old Testament, new Testament, and we have the answers, but this guy doesn't. Uh, we all know how they inherit eternal life and we'll talk about the gospel here in a little bit, but this is a lot of foreshadowing as to what Jesus is on the earth for. And what's really cool is as we look in the 34 and he, he went to him. So every time it says him or it, it talks about the wounded man, let's, let's think about ourself hmm. and then let's, let's look at the good Samaritan as everybody likes to call it as Jesus. And you know, we find God at our lowest of our low. Right. So if we're on the side of the road beaten and it doesn't have to be physically. It could be metaphorically. Right. So, I, I mean, I found God when I was at super low and I'm sure everybody else that's sitting in this table, like we've all grown up through church, but like it really hits home when you see this wounded man and you're like, I was that wounded man. So regardless of how, well, you know Jesus Christ. If you haven't given your life to Him, and and you could go to church, you could do whatever you want, but until you give your life to Him, you're not getting those blessings. You're not getting those bandages. You're not getting that oil. You're not getting that wine. You're not getting anything that He has to offer. So as we look at it, right, we're the wounded people, and every time you see Him, i again just say yourself, and let's just say the priests, and wh- wh- who do we put for the priests and the Levites?
0: So, um, uh, it. People define it differently, right? There's a lot of biblical scholars that look at it differently. I think one of the most famous ones was 1996, a guy named Origen, in one of his books, like the Homily of Luke. It's a weird book, but anyway, um, he he defines. I'm answering more than just your question. Sorry. No. Jerusalem trying. is heaven. Give me a so, parable. Here we go. So Jerusalem is heaven. Jericho's the earth, and then the Old Testament, God sends down different things to try and help us, which would be the injured man, like you're talking about, the person in need of a savior, right? Um, he sends down the law and the prophets, mm-hmm. the law and the prophets, the law would be the priest. You know, he knows the law, that's his job. And then the law is the priest. And then the, uh, the prophets would be the Levite. Uh, it's someone who's part of it, but you know, he's not the law. Right. So that, that'd be your two there. Right. And then the Samaritan would be Jesus, Jesus himself coming down. So that, that's kind of the, when you look at typology, it's like yeah. a word they like to use a lot. Yeah. So Jerusalem would be heaven, Jericho is the earth, which is interesting too, because the path from jericho to earth is downhill it's kind yeah. of interesting and jericho is actually like one of the lowest cities on earth like geographically speaking and then yeah so the priest would be the law so he sent the law which we failed miserably at over and over and over again and it wouldn't work the prophets didn't save us the levites didn't save us mm-hmm. right so then he had to send the samaritan which would be jesus himself coming down
1: yeah and as we look at 34, right? So this is, if you listen to the story, 34, was that was my like little spot that I was studying this week. And just a few things, right? If we look at oil and wine, when it's said in the Bible as oil and wine, it normally represents the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ in some kind of, some way or fashion. And if it says olive oil, it's the food. And if it says they drank wine, it's normally just regular wine. But when those two words are together with the word and in between them, That normally means the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's important because from 34 on, I mean, this is basically the gospel. Again, Jesus is foreshadowing his life. He comes to us as broken, right? They sent the law and he sent, uh, what was the other one? Prophets. Prophets, right? So he sent the prophets and then he sends the good Samaritan, right? Which is Jesus Christ. God sends down Jesus Christ.
2: His his own son. His (laughs) own son. Yeah,
1: Yeah, right? Comes down. And he finds us, right? He finds us broken on the side of the road. He bandages our wounds, uh, metaphorically speaking. He gives us oil and wine. They get, He brings the Holy Spirit because prior to this, that wasn't a thing. It was only one person could get the Holy Spirit. It was this guy that like got tied up and then went into the temple. To, and you could go down that rabbit hole later on. But he brings the Holy Spirit and then the wine, so it's never wine and oil; it's always oil and wine. It has to go first, right? So, Holy Spirit and then the wine, the blood of Jesus Christ, and he set he set him on his own beast, so he took the burden from us, right? He gave us the freedom, an easy not an easy life because nothing's easy, right? But he gave us a hey, you can. We're all sinners. We're all terrible people, but we still have that road. Uh, we have that road, that easier road now to him, to heaven, knowing that he gave us these two things. And then he brought us to the end. I look at that. He he gave us everything. That's our churches. That's that's our, our life. And then he took care of them. At the end, we will die. And as long as you accept Jesus into your life and you really, truly believe in him and you try to live, that that's it. I mean, if you truly believe in him. I think everything else beyond that is just a little bit more. Um, and then he took care of us. We get to heaven. So it's just look at 34 to 37. And it's literally a foreshadow gospel. And it. I, I can't express this enough. It, it's really hard for me to like kind of cut back to there and remember what they actually didn't what they didn't have for us it's easy we could be like oh that's the parable and you know the good samaritan really isn't about being a good person it's about jesus christ and his blood and, and the holy spirit but for them it they didn't meant, have it, it meant a lot more yeah i would say 90 percent of the parables that we have read through either through this podcast or just in our own study there's the physical form of what physically happened. How to be a good Christian, right? So we're supposed to take care of everybody. Not that's why he doesn't name the guy, because if he would have if Jesus would have named the guy and said it was a Jew or somebody else walking down the road, now the lawyer is going to be like, oh, only Jews I have right, to worry right. about, right? So he doesn't even name the guy. He doesn't say anything. He just says this person, right? So we want to love everybody like they're us and that is the hardest thing you're ever going to be able to do but i will tell you what makes it easier and it is accepting jesus in your life and it literally takes nothing but saying a prayer you pray you ask him to come into your life he's already there he's already at the door he's already knocking you just got to let him in and then once you do that if this is your first time and you're just hearing this for the first time get 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 connected with a church, get connected with a Christian friend. Normally it just doesn't happen. You're not just alone in this walk. There's plenty of people. And this is what I, I have these two guys right here on my walk. Uh, and they have me on their walk. So you're going to have a Christian friend, ask around, try to get yourself into a church, get connected, start serving, be the good Samaritan. You know, your life is just going to get better. It makes it easier. The story ends with, I will repay thee. And, and that's it. But you don't, at the end of that, I guarantee you that guy did his two months at the end and and had a better life and had better things going for him because he got to take that rest. And basically, we're just taking that rest right now. When God enters your life, you can finally rest. I mean, I worry. I stress. We all do. We're dads. We're husbands. Like It's, it's hard not to stress, but it's a lot easier to put that burden on Jesus. Put your burden on his beast and, and let him... Let him take care of it. So, I mean, there's just so much to it. So much to this parable. I'm so glad we got to wrap this up and so glad we got to get together this early morning. And um, yeah, dudes, you guys got anything,
2: bro? Yeah. I mean, I I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's important to note, just like in any other parable that Jesus talks about in the the Bible uh, or really any story in the Bible is that it's perfect. Um, we started to study this and expound upon it because we kept mentioning like how profound it is. And the more we studied, the more we found um, mm-hmm. in in peeling back those layers. You know, Jesus doesn't do anything halfway. He doesn't save people halfway. Um, he doesn't do anything halfway. If he heals somebody who's blind, um, he's restoring their vision to, you know, better than perfect, you know, beyond 2020. Right. It's 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 completely and utterly restored and. We see that with this man, right? The the good Samaritan didn't just bound this guy's wounds, you know, maybe throw some money on his chest and <laughs> and go about his way, right? Good like he, he completely went the extra mile and he didn't do anything. He didn't do this halfway. Um, so that's kind of a, a key takeaway for me is like Jesus does nothing halfway. Um, it's a beautiful picture of the gospel, but also like it's a challenge in our own lives of, if, you know, while I was talking about being, Apathetic, like it's a challenge to us, not just, you know, think about the worst situations, but just think about the most minor inconveniences, right? We talked about homeless people um, and helping the homeless. We've talked about orphans and widows and the church's responsibility in helping those people. That's really, it's, we're saying church, but it's really ours. It's, it's our responsibility to take care of those people. It's just such a beautiful and perfect story. The more you peel back, the more perfect uh, it becomes. So that's kind of like my my biggest takeaways there, especially in like an, like I like I mentioned uh, a couple times, <laughs> in previous episodes. Just a day and age of apathy um, all around us, and uh, and trying to combat that. What do you think, Matt?
0: Man, you are killing it. Um, I mean, same same thing all around the table. I, I think this is just such a profound twelve verses that I don't know how many hours combined that we've studied this, and there's still we could talk another. 10 hours probably on Mike just about how profound it is. It's just amazing that Jesus tells this lawyer what he needs to know for that moment to let him understand that he's not perfect and he's in need hmm. of something. He's missing something, right? Yeah. Which is a savior. But then 2000 years later, it still packs such a punch that here we are reading it and knowing there's all these other meanings, just layers upon layers upon layers that we can still draw from today. Um, I think, I think the kind of the, the The hidden message too in here, I, I just pulled it up is, I think would be a, the, like a good summary verse from John thirteen thirty five. Basically, just says that men, you men, other men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Mm. I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's something that I think we all strive for. I mean, obviously, the the gospel message of this is probably the most important portion of it. But then the the step back from that is, as saved individuals around this table and the people who are listening to this who are saved individuals. If we want to be known as disciples, we want to be known as those who follow Jesus and love one another.
1: Yeah. And it makes people like, um, I did a project a few weeks ago and I had the most, uh, irrational customers. Just, it was just me and God were very close that week. <clears throat> um, we've all been, but, there. yeah. But I spent a lot of time just being extra nice, making sure, that they knew that I knew they were paying me and that we were, they were my client and it made him even more mad, you know? Cause like you couldn't get, I mean, you can't rile me up. All right. You want different color floor? Let's go do it. I don't, whatever. Like it was just like one thing after another. And I, I don't know what the whole, the whole problem was, but <clears throat> at the end of the day, just being that good, being that kind of person, right? Just being a kind person to whoever, right? It was, it would be easy for me to just pull my contract out and say, see ya. But like to be that kind of person, it, it shows them more of who you actually are, who you really are. And it, it makes them mad because they don't have anything. Right. It's like, how are you going to get mad at me when I, when, when I'm texting you to make sure that, you know, the thing you ordered, I know it's not correct, but it's there. Right. So it's, it's just those kind of things that, I I think it's being a Christian It has changed the way I look at, I deal with work and, and the the podcast is going to show you that there's plenty of people out there doing the same, same type of thing.
2: So I, I, I know we're, we're wrapping this up and finishing this up, but Matt just mentioned something that, that really struck me, which is, you know, this happened a couple thousand years ago. Um, so if you're listening today and um, maybe you have doubts or you're, you're not very familiar with the gospel. Um, you know, what a, what a beautiful representation, not only of the gospel, but also just a perfect story, right? We're still studying this. It's still coming out at us, uh, to, you know, a couple thousand years later. And we know that this happened. This is, this is just more proof, um, that the Bible's real, uh, that the story's real, um, as we begin to peel away, just more proof, if you will, um, shows itself. So this is, uh, this is true stuff. This is a true story. Um, and, uh, it just begin it continues to manifest itself a couple thousand years later. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me of, uh, CS Lewis, CS Lewis's book, which he kind of talks about one of his books, uh, mayor Christianity, which he really just kind of details all proof and evidence of why the gospel is real. Um, and I think this story just really uh, proves it. Um, yeah. But,
1: and I would say if you don't think the gospel is real or you don't believe that, that, that or it happened
2: the, or yeah. that it
1: happened or yeah. whatever, I would say, what do you have? What do you have to lose? Go into a, go into a church, take an hour of your time for the weekend. It's in normally in the morning. Unless you're cool, and you go on a Saturday night, <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, and you do an hour a weekend, and just see if that doesn't change your mind. There's just so much to it. There's so much more to it than just than just saying, "Oh, I'm a Christian." There's so there's like so many blessings that come with come with it. There's so many hardships that come with it. There's so, it's hard. Yeah. To be a Christian, it will not be easy. It's not going to change your bank account. It's not going to change your life style. It's not going. It's not going to change anything unless you make that change, yeah. you have to make that change. And that, that's like one of the things that I learned, you know, making the, making the change, accepting Jesus in my life was, it's not like, Oh, you get in the water, you come back out of the water and all this, all these, uh, my bank accounts good and everything's good. I'm tithing, I'm doing everything. Yeah. It's like, it's a slow process. It's a slow walk. God has a journey for you and it might not be your journey, the journey you want, but it's the journey you're going to get. And uh, it's just easier like there's so many guys out there with with problems and 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 trials and tribulations and they don't have anywhere to go their wife doesn't want to hear it anymore yeah. their buddies are tired of hearing it and it's like dude this guy is open 24/7 he doesn't care how bad it is he doesn't care how minuscule it is every prayer to to him from you is important and dude there's there every day is an answered prayer
2: put your faith in the good samaritan put your faith in Jesus yeah churches sure. are flawed people are flawed um, but putting our faith in in Jesus Christ that's 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 the answer yep and that's right before answer. we
1: wrap up challenge so Nate brought up a really cool thing um, we have a lot of homeless people uh what are they called panhandlers and I'm not a big <laughs> I'm not a big fan of uh giving out money because you know I, I guess it's God's money and it could just go wherever and he could go do what he wants with it but I'd rather give them something that you know, mean something or gives them something that they can utilize. Uh, they'll get money from the next car, I guess. So two things would be one, Nate brought up a good point. Take a gallon bag, go to the dollar store, buy like travel soap, stuff like that. Put a bag together, like a, like a little go bag. And then when you see somebody asking for money, begging for money, just offer it to them, give them a God bless you. You know, maybe that that might change their life. That might change their whole entire perspective on, you know, things. And then the other thing would be, um, I see a lot of people saying, oh, I bought Starbucks for the person behind me. But like the person at Starbucks probably doesn't need your help. So they're already buying a $7 coffee. How about you um, maybe go to a public school, find a find a kid who has – I've seen this on like social media. I think it's probably – one. Of the, it's one of the coolest things. Find a kid who has a, a negative lunch balance. These people can't give you their full financial. But you could go to a school and say, hey, what do you guys need? Or you could give more to your church. Or you could – you know, there, there's so many better places to give money than – doing the pay it forward to somebody that obviously is probably okay. Yeah. Or, you know, when you go out to the restaurant, you know, maybe you have a good experience. Maybe you have a bad experience. I love tipping bad experience (laughs) because that person is either needs help or is having a bad day. Like just make their day better. Especially if you're like a normal customer and you're like, what is up with this chick or guy, whatever, just give them a little bit more. Like, there's so many better places to put money yeah. than somebody behind you at Starbucks. It's nice nice to do, but, like.
2: Challenge for the listener, good. but challenge for ourselves. Yeah, for well. sure. For Absolutely. sure. I got to get better. Super flawed in that as well. What a great
1: week. Thanks, guys. Dude. Thanks for listening. Yep. It's have. awesome. Appreciate it. Wait, have a good Have Have a good Have a good one. Thank you so much for joining us. Get out there and be fishers of men. If you have any questions or comments, email us at study at gmail.com. Have a good one.